0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Game Bites show. Tonight is, is July something, 18th. 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 2018. 7 8 18. 7 18. It'll My only come LeGrand. around once this century. <laughs> yes. It only happens
1: once. That's true. Once.
0: <laughs> that's true. Uh, I'm LeGrand and there's Jeremy and there's Jared. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. That's uh, all.
2: That's the show, folks. Have a good night. <laughs> Thanks so much. You can find us on no. All right, we're doing this one live too, so there's no there's no cuts. This is going to be a totally uncut because people will compare the the uh, you know the forensic people are going to come back and compare mm-hmm. the the audio podcast to what was broadcast live, and they'll it's find us out. That's true. We, if yeah.
0: we fix anything mm-hmm. in post, So that means I can
2: swear and all sorts of things. Uh, you know, on t- Twitch is all right, I suppose. But if you
0: decided to watch the video stream of this you can catch the swears before Jeremy yeah. bleeps them out. <laughs> they right. get bleeped.
2: They get bleeped. Well, hey. Oh, I guess you're the host. Man, it seems like it's been a while. Did you guys record last Wednesday? Uh, we didn't, but we did for Sunday kind of like a double header. So we still, we made sure to get the content for the people out there we who did. want it. So that means you guys have had
0: like two and a half days to actually play something new to talk about tonight. Is that, what, is that what you're saying? I have had about an hour and a half
1: to play something new <laughs> to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, I've
2: started to front load the stuff. Like, I'm actually talking about, if, if I'm doing it right, I'm talking about the stuff this week that I played last week. So I'm usually like a week ahead if I can if I can
0: get ahead. No, nah, that doesn't right. make any sense.
2: It's like time shifting the holiday, you know?
0: So that means this show is going to be legit 30 minutes. Is that what you're saying? Let's
2: do it. Legit 30 minutes on the Game Bite Show clock. Game bite show clock. We are too legit to quit.
0: Well, who wants to get this ball rolling tonight? Tonight, where we talk about video games, we have been playing over the last. For me, it's been what two weeks. For you guys, it's been two days. So uh, we'll see. Who, see who has the better quality content to speak of today. Who wants oh, to? Go oh, first?
2: I already know. I already know. So we'll save the best for last. You go first.
0: You <laughs> no, go? I'm, I'm
2: just kidding. But you should go first anyway. Why should I go first? I don't know. I'm just making a friendly suggestion.
0: You, Why is you, it always a fight about who goes first? Nobody wants to go
1: first. You haven't recorded in the longest, so you have got the most to get out. I don't I want it's for your health, man. I don't want your spleen exploding. We want to get the collectible card games out of the way so we don't yeah. have to hear Dude, about it. Dude, my
0: man. So let me tell you what I've been playing. <laughs> and I streamed it on the channel, it, this it, very channel. It, it's true. Uh Elder Trolls Legends I played. I've been playing a bunch of that game. Um that keeps good. I got a good deck, finally, and I'm actually winning sometimes.
2: So but I'm kind of curious about good. the, the deck-building thing, because, you know, with Hearthstone, one of the big criticisms is that you just find people who have, who have played a meta deck or something, and then, you know, everyone just copies that, and then that becomes the new deck. Does Elder Scrolls safeguard itself from that sort of thing, or is that just the plight of— How
0: would you safeguard yourself Well, that's what
2: I'm that. wondering, because, you know, you make the game diverse enough where there's not an unbalanced winning— formula that is all the time what people are choosing so that's what i'm wondering is if this is just more of that and there's no way around it and it's the plight of digital card games or does elder Scrolls somehow some somehow maybe with the lanes i'm component? afraid
0: i'm afraid that's the plight of digital card games <laughs> all right well, i don't i don't know what else to say about it. i mean people if i have a good deck that wins and they you know has a good combination of cards that work well together and they put that online and people build their decks around it right
2: hmm, yeah well makes sense but yeah, but I guess uh, I mean if the game is structured in a way that somehow prevents that or there's always a counter. I, I guess I guess that's just kind of what it's like. There's always a counter.
0: About, there's always a counter. In in fact in like competitive card games, at least like competitive Hearthstone, I'm assuming it would be the same with this, but you basically bring three decks to the table, and then uh the other player brings three decks and you play until all three of your decks have been beaten, right? All right. Um
2: so so just throw more decks at it. I, I mean, I can see the logic.
0: That's kind of what they do in the competitive scene. And this in this version, it's like I have a pretty good deck, but there is one specific thing that counters me pretty hard. And so, yeah. whenever I come up against that, it it makes it more challenging for me to win.
2: Sure, but. sure. So uh, how's the how's the different platforms? Are you still are you still are you still on your streak as far as the rewards are going?
0: Uh, yeah, man. This this month, I'm about ready. I'm I'm on my way to get my free legendary card at the end of the month. All right. Uh, so, if you log in every day, you end up getting like four packs of cards a free legendary, a bunch of gold, a bunch of shards, and a bunch of just regular, just random cards. Yeah. Just by logging in every day, so I've been logging in. I've, been, I've logged in every day since I downloaded the game. I have not missed a day.
2: So before we started recording, you also were saying this is not actually else. the game I want
0: to talk about tonight. Oh, i right. to talk. About it. <laughs> okay, well then <laughs> no, I, have no. one, I do have no. one
2: question though. I we, do we, have one question. we can add
0: this in as part of as part of what I'm talking it's about. It's a bonus. But, it's a bonus for the
2: streaming yeah, yeah. Uh, community. Because this game's actually,
0: awesome. I, I actually I actually convinced uh, my friend Nick to
2: play it, and he's all in too. Really, he's, he's digging it, yeah. So, so one of the things that I guess is a known thing, but I never heard of it before, is if you link your account as you're streaming, then your viewers, if their accounts are also linked, they get stuff from your playthrough. Is it anything good? Uh,
0: yeah. So this something cool that Twitch has done. Um, and I know Mixer has been doing some unique, like, some creative interactions with like the different games. Like, if you're playing. Fortnite, for example, and you're streaming on Mixer, and you happen to be in the top ten, you'll your your stream can be featured in like the hype zone, is what they call it, or something like a that. Hype zone. Yeah, so they do I- some pretty cool things like that. But Twitch has got a cool thing going on, and the, I've I've participated in it with uh, Blizzard games, and as well as Elder Scrolls Legends, where uh, basically if you can attach your Bethesda account or your Blizzard account to your Twitch account, and if you watch um a game if you watch people streaming then you get a chance to get a drop means that you earn like a pack of cards in the case of elder scrolls legends in the case of heroes of the storm you earn a loot box etc etc uh and actually um heroes of the storm will do this where if there's like a big event happening that weekend and you happen to watch the stream they'll
2: like give you a free portrait for you watching during a specific set time wow it seems like they're being very generous with that stuff i think that's i think that's pretty neat uh, cause I think being stingy just makes people
0: mad. Well, the more you get people to watch streams then the more it bubbles up to the top of the playlists on Twitch, the more people watch it, the more people are going to play it, the more money they make. Right. It all and makes so sense.
2: On. Yep. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
2: okay. Well then enough about that. If it wasn't even your intended Elders game. I, I, think, awesome. I think those are cool, it, Elder Scrolls Legends
0: is a really, really good game and I'm really enjoying it. I'm having fun with the, uh, the way the decks play out and the way the, the cards are different enough from Hearthstone. Um, and the game plays a little bit different that it. I don't know. It's just a little bit more dynamic than like a Hearthstone. And that's sure, true.
2: sure, sure. All right.
0: So anyway, but the game I have, I did want to talk about, is a game that came out on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I've been playing Ease Eight: The Lacrimosa of Dana.
1: <laughs> I like the titles of Ease games. <laughs> I'm confused already. Yeah, yeah, there's,
2: yeah, yeah they yeah. usually have two or three colons in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is a game that I believe came out on the PlayStation 4 Like what a year ago It's probably on the PC as well Is it on PC Jared? Uh, I us. have no
1: idea I have not played any of the Ease spelt YS You've never played games. an Ease game in your life? I have, I have not oh Lacrimosa of
2: Dana And Dana is all in caps too It's like the Tetragraman, You know like I am the Lord I am Dana It, uh, is, it is on PC Yeah $60 That is a $60 Ease game Yeah yeah I bought it for 60 bucks. On Switch. It looks... And it, you know what? This looks a lot like Xenoblade. This is not like your typical Ease. No, this is your typical Ease.
0: And that's what I was afraid of, is I was afraid that it was going to be not. And I, I didn't... So I've I played the other some of the other Ease games. I played Ease, uh, The Oath in Felgana and Ease something else. I played a couple of... Ease Origins I played. And I beat both of those games. And they're kind of... I believe they were PlayStation 2 era games? Um, and I played them on PC, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, maybe yeah. not, maybe not that long ago, uh, but they're kind of like an isometric um, action RPG game where you're running around yeah. um, hacking and slashing, you have abilities, uh, you have multiple characters, etc. Well, this is basically that style of game, but it was in, it's in um, 3D. So you're in a yeah. 3D world with, uh, uh, you know, full camera control. And um, so it's like a 3D brawler. Um, with abilities and lots of RPG elements, um, and it's uh, pretty good so far. It's uh, I, I was I was kind of nervous. I was kind of debating. So I was debating between picking this game up and picking a, or picking up Octopath Traveler. I'm both. I'm interested in both of those games. Like uh-huh. I, I want to play both of them. Like right now. But uh, but I ended up picking up Ease because it was out when I was leaving for a trip, uh, and Octopath was not out. So the storyline of this game is you're on a ship and you're an adventurer. and i guess the main character is like the main character in a lot of the other Ease games but the storyline's but it's not necessary to have played like the previous Ease games to understand or to be able to right. play this game so it's like kind of like right. a final fantasy but you are actually playing as the same character but it's a standalone you know adventure yeah. if you will yep. uh so you're basically you're on a boat and there's this mythical island that you're floating by and the captain's like we don't go by that island because when we go by people that go by that island get you know, they're never seen again. And then you get a little too close and then a kraken comes and takes down your ship, and you end up shipwrecked and you uh wash up ashore of this island that's like this island that nobody knows anything about because nobody's been there and come back. The alive.
2: island has the amnesia. Yeah. Like it's called the Isle of the Standard.
0: It's called <laughs> the <laughs> Isle of Sarin. Uh anyway. So where I'm at in the game is basically you land and you run around and you eventually meet up with some other people and they become your party. And then you find the captain and you establish a base camp. And then from there you go exploring out and you're trying to find like other survivors who may have washed up on the shore. And then you send them back to your base camp. And these guys will have different functions. Um, They might, you know, one might be a shopkeeper. One might be a blacksmith and one might be, they have different things that they do at your base camp. So right now, I'm assuming that the story is gonna go um, a little bit, you know, in a different direction as soon as it kind of opens up. But right now, all I'm doing is looking around for people uh, to make my my camp bigger. Um, so you're basically exploring this island. The island has a little bit of a Metroidvania style going on, where there's certain things that you can't do until you find items um, around the way. So if you beat a boss and like, oh, I, I found this traveler, this 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 uh. Guy that was shipwrecked as well, and he's got these magical gloves that now allow me to climb up walls or you know stuff like that. Um, and so, as you unlock those different items, then you can access other areas of the island as well and continue on in your in your search and your exploration. And you also um, you also come to like roadblocks in the way. So you'll come to like a, a pile of boulders, and uh, to, in order to clear the pile of boulders to move on, you need to have have found a certain number of people. Uh, to help you, uh, move the boulders, right? So yeah, there's I f- like a, I feel like
2: there's more going on than a typical ease game here. I mean, I think there's is, a lot
0: going on in this game. Yeah. It's it's actually uh, th- th- there's a lot of mechanics going on. There's a lot of abilities and upgrading your abilities and items and upgrading items and and then just like the whole shipwreck stuff. And there's like a relationship. So each of the characters has like a relationship meter with you. And so as you talk to them, you can get side quests from them, and you do the side quests and. Do what they want, and then you, you know, they get happier with you. And I don't know what that, what kind of benefit that brings you, but they all have like a, kind of like a Sardou Valley heart meter that you kind of level up. Everybody,
1: it's going it, to go full Mass
0: Effect and a relationship meter. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, what's that other game? Um, Persona, right? With that type of thing. Oh sure, sure. Um, yeah. So so right now, I mean, you, my my character's been having these dreams about this girl named Dana. And I'm assuming that eventually I'm going to figure out what her lacrimosa is. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and that's going to be uh, the main gist of the story, you know, clearly because yeah. that's the title. But as for right now, I'm just I'm just hunting down survivors. But the cool part is, is the game really has a focus on uh, exploration. There's lots of different areas of the map, and you unlock little uh, fast travel points. You can kind of travel around between them, um, and every area has a percentage cleared. It has like a percentage cleared, like how much of you actually explored in the area. So it has like a stat, right, of percentage cleared. Then it has a number of how many. Um, treasure chests are in that area. And then it also has that stat. You're like, so this, this area has eight treasure chests to find and you found five, right? So there's kind of like a, a, little, it's got, got a heavy focus on exploration. Um, so you're always trying to like, you know, if you're that type of completionist, you're trying to, you know, increase those meters and when you find the treasure chest, it's going to give you items. So you're equipping like, you know, armor, you're equipping weapons, you're equipping accessories that give you different things like a resistance to poison or greater attack or extra hit points. Um, and you actually control uh, three different characters. So you control uh, like your standard uh, Adol is his name. And he he is a guy who's just a sword wielding dude. And he's just like your standard adventure guy. Um, they all have their own unique abilities. You have another girl who's more of an assassiny type. Um, so she has like a little, little long sword that she pokes people with. And then you eventually unlock this other guy who is a fisherman. And he's got a big old hook that he or an anchor that he swings around. So he's kind of like a slow uh, damage dealer guy, and so you can switch between these different characters on the fly, and so... Um, you're just attacking, then you can switch between into another character because e- because each of the different enemies will have a um, something that they're weak to, and so it might be your attack uh, or one of the attacks of the three characters, so you're switching between them. Um, as you attack, you build up a special meter that is constantly just always being loaded up as you're just generally attacking, and then you can spend the special meter points to use abilities, and you're always using abilities in this game, so you're always just kind of... Um, Doing that, And then you're unlocking new abilities. You can have like four of them equipped at a time and you're leveling them up and they get stronger the more that you use them. Um, so yeah, it's a very, very well-rounded, well put together, um, action RPG game and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's,
2: it's good. So, I want to draw a comparison here and tell me if it's appropriate. So, uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is to The Legend of Zelda as Ease 8 is to Ease. I mean, does it feel like a a real evolution? Or is it. I mean, it seems. Because to me, it's. I mean, just everything you've described sounds way different from past Ease games.
0: Well, the other Ease games I played were, like I said, PlayStation 2 era games. It The, the, the combat uh, feels like a natural evolution of that combat into 3D. Um, it's been a long time since I played those games. So I can't quite remember all the, all the you know nuances of it or swapping between characters. I'm assuming that we could do that in the other ones. And yeah, there's like platforming and stuff you can do. And in this game there's platforming. Um, there's also like dodge mechanics. So if you dodge an attack at the right time, you go into a, a witch time mode, like, uh, the other game, um, huh. Bayonetta. So if you dodge, then it slows down time for a little bit. Yeah. And that's kind of like whale on them. Um, so it's just kind of like a, like I, uh, it seems like it's more open world than the past ease games. It seems like you're always kind of pushed down a path, especially ease origins, where you're basically in ease origins, you're basically climbing a tower, and that's basically it. So every level of the tower is a new area, right? And then you just climb the tower, and this is really focused on the exploration of the world, which is a little bit different. It's a little bit more open worldy um, than. Uh, than the other Ease games that I've played. But like I said, I haven't played any of the recent, recent ones, so it may be more like those than than I know. But all right. Um it's definitely um I don't know. I, I think Breath of the Wild was more of a departure from the other Zelda games, in that it was you know just a little just like pretty drastically different from your standard formula. And I sure. think that this is this is more along the line of like, hey, this is what you would expect. Um, one of those old 2D ease games to be in 3D. It, it, yeah, and I like I said, I don't know about the other ease games or the other ease games. I'm gonna look them up because I'm, uh, I'm probably like ease six.
2: Yeah, they. I mean, they're typically. I mean, like you were saying, isometric. Oh, yeah. These they're look just simple. like the games
0: I played. Yeah, this came out in 2015, so this is a three-year-old game, and it looks like a a better graphics version of the old ease games that I played. And this is more like, hey, now we're in full 3D with full camera control. Um, more open world, uh, so I think yeah. it's definitely more of an evolution to what you would expect if Ease went to full 3D. That kind of feels that way to me. So
1: I, I've never played a Ease game. Would you recommend? Because the mechanics you talked about sound actually pretty interesting. Uh, is it a good jump in place for that type of for that series?
0: I, I think so. I, I I don't think it doesn't seem like there's anything that ties it back to anything previous. And so if you're interested in more of a modern one of these, like this type of action RPG. I think the old games are good and you can probably pick them up on Steam for pretty cheap. Um might be interesting to check those out as well, or at least to see what they're like. Uh, yeah. But this game is, I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't start at this game if you're not interested in actually playing the other ones. Yeah. yeah. If you um, prefer that kind of, like, like you said, kind of 3D as opposed to the, because the others are all like isometric top down, right? Yeah. And you don't really have camera control. So you're just kind of running yeah, around. Yeah. And this is like full camera control. You can lock onto your enemies um, an attack. You can dodge. You can. You know, it's 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 awesome. It's a really good game. It's kind of like I'm, the the fun that I'm having right with it right now is not necessarily the story, but it's just kind of exploring the world and finding new enemy types and you know beating them up. And um, eventually, I'm assuming the story will open up and it'll probably be a bunch of anime bull. But I guess we will see uh, when we get to that point. But uh, so far so good. I probably played maybe I probably played maybe I don't know maybe six hours of it or so maybe a little bit more than that i played oh. played quite a bit on the plane rides uh and i played at home before the trip and a little bit on the trip so um yeah, maybe 6 hours i've played so far but so far so so good it's good seems cool and that's what i've been playing
2: not bad nice. that's a good one that's a good one
0: Yeah. uh what about you jared
2: yes Dying. i was
1: hoping i'd be next because i'm better than jeremy um yeah. wait that's
2: not how it goes <laughs>
1: Best for last, best for last. No. Uh, so I actually wanted to talk... You, you were talking about uh, Ease laminar flow of Duena or whatever. Um, that's, that, that's a whole different game, actually. <laughs> but uh, no, I've, I've actually been playing... I, I don't have it on my list, but I'm going to talk about it for a minute anyway. A uh, Another game that involves a little bit of base building that I talked about earlier in this week on the last podcast. I've actually been playing the DLC for... Uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance uh, From the Ashes, I think it's called
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: actually pretty interesting That you basically get put in charge of a town That uh, you sort of uncover In the storyline of the main game And are uh, in charge of building it back up So you have to kind of go uh, save up money most, most Mostly the resource you need is money um but you do have to go find like stone so they don't really help you a whole lot to kind of uncover that so you have to explore the world a little bit figure out where you're going to get stone and they're pretty obvious places if you need stone you're going to go to a quarry right now um, now do you have to haul it yourself no but what you do need to do is set up a trader first and the okay. trader will haul it so right. uh, it's kind of it's kind of uh gated in a few ways and there's things you can build uh there's upgrades you can do certain buildings and certain upgrades will lock you out from being able to do different ones so you'll kind of want to think carefully um it's pretty interesting it's kind of fun to sort of create uh, your own town in that game which isn't really a mechanic that was in the original game so Um, i've been kind of enjoying that kind of you talking about ease kind of reminded me of that, although I wasn't going to talk about it. So now we've all talked
0: about ah, a game. I have to we come up with a game that I wasn't going to gonna gonna talk
2: about. I'm on the pressure. Oh, yeah.
0: Geez. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> but you can if you want.
2: <laughs> so
1: the game I was actually going to talk about today is uh, The Flame in the Flood. And Ooh. I know on our uh, live stream earlier this week, w- when we were playing uh, Contiguero Zero, Chapter. Three. Um, I talked about wanting to kind of play this, so I did. Um, Flame in the Flood is a free country, you do what you want. I do what I want (laughs) to do, I'm American. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, Flame in the Flood is you know, I didn't actually know a lot about the game uh, other than sort of its art style, and it just seemed kind of appealing. It is a what sort of like a survival roguelite, um. Set in like post
2: apocalyptic, flooded out, I'm gonna say America, uh, you know, whatever. Well, well so, the, uh, so I, the, here's the thing I am in the same boat. I don't know much about the game itself, but I do know about the music
0: of yeah. the game,
2: which yeah. I, I'll let you get to it, but uh, very American.
0: Yeah, the music's pretty good. Uh, in what fact, does that even mean? Is it got like rap music or
2: is yeah. it hip mm-hmm. okay, hop? <laughs> That's exactly it. You guessed yep, it. No, it's totally. uh, more like folksy, like blue, yeah. like a whole bunch, of, like from all across, uh, let's call it like, you know, salt of the earth America, like... Uh, yeah, they, they want
1: you to have the kind of Bible Belt, uh, Bayou kind of feel in the game. Uh, the game is set, you are a scout, a young woman, little girl, you know, I don't know. The, the art style doesn't really help depict age very well, and you have a dog, uh, Aesop, and you are trying to survive in this world. Basically, that is what you're doing. Um, and you have a raft and you're on a river and the river is sort of a raging sort of like rapid. So once you jump off an island on your raft, um, you're, you're moving forward. You're going to go down the river. Uh, you have to avoid obstacles. Your, your raft can take damage. Um, you, you have to find resources to survive. You have food meter, uh, water meter, temperature, sleep, all those needs that kind of have to be met, um, through resources you find on the different islands you can dock at and then craft various things. You can craft like a squirrel trap and trap, you know, food. If you want to eat the food, you're going to have to make a campfire, you know, sort of your typical survival type, uh. Uh, tropes so to say how
2: how does it compare to like uh, you uh, don't starve for example
1: Um, I've only played a very little bit of don't starve but don't starve was was sort of the first thing that jumped to my mind Um, even though I've only played a little bit it has sort of the survival mechanics the other game it actually reminded me a lot of um, in terms of the way it plays out is uh, FTL oh man Uh, that sounds awesome Yeah. So hold on a minute, though, because so FTL, (laughs) (laughs) in my mind, the way this relates is it sort of puts you on a randomized path to get to the, quote, end right down to get down the river. And um, so I I believe I have not gotten so far as to uh, get to the end of the river. (laughs) I believe it has a goal in mind at the end. Um, It is not turn based, but you kind of go down this randomized sort of set path like kind of like an FTL Mm -hmm. Um, and you can go you know different ways on the river you you might go to one island that will preclude you from going to another because you can't again go back up the river uh, to get back to it Um, and it has that feeling you know FTL to me when I was on a winning run so much of it was randomized did you win that game did you ever beat FTL I got to the boss a few times but never actually
0: won I'm the same way. Same. I hate it. So I want to make sure okay. that you are somehow better at that game than me. Because no. game-
1: <laughs> so, so here's what I'm going to say. This game has that same feeling in that as you go through your paces, it feels very random in the things that you come across and that will absolutely make or break your run. Mm. So you'll get, you'll get to a point where you'll get into a death spiral just like you would in FTL. There's no way to recover. You're just going to slowly kind of diminish (laughs) until you're wiped off the face of uh, off the bayou. uh, So so give give me a a for instance. So is it like there's no food there or
2: like what? Yeah, you're you're not
1: finding the resources as as you you know, some of the stuff is pretty basic to start with. As you get further uh, down in into into the game, into the story, you know, it requires more and more sort of specific things um, just, just like in FTL, you can handle the stuff up front, but as the enemies get harder, and, and the enemies in this game are are truly for the most part, you know, your hunger, your uh, water, um, things like that, but as you start to require these extra ingredients to survive longer and make it further, um, you start to notice their absence if you're not getting them, so to speak, uh, which can be frustrating. I, I guess as if you know that that is sort of how the game runs, and you're intended to go and die and repeat. Uh, That might kind of change how you feel about it, but those types of games always felt frustrating and not very fun to me. I don't like feeling like a run is hopeless
2: starting from second one. Yeah, here's the thing, though. For me, the thing that makes it different, like the reason why I said you know in one breath, oh, FTL sounds awesome, and then like, oh, I hate that, Right? The thing about FTL is every time I felt like this is it, this is it, this is going to be it, this is going to be it, this is going to be it. Oh. And then I would do it again, and I would think this yeah. is going to be
1: it, this is it, this is it. So so there are a few things that, that are kind of interesting in terms of the mechanic um, uh, specific to this game. Your dog is kind of key in, in a few ways, at least on the lower difficulties. I know items that you put in his inventory, and he has a very limited inventory. Um, carry over to your next run, so so you could as you start to feel the end come nigh, you could potentially uh, you know squirrel a few things away that might really help you on your next one. Don't ask um, where the dog keeps them, dude. <laughs> no.
0: the,
1: I think the dog wears a backpack. Oh, so, okay. um, the dog yeah, is adorable. Jeremy. Clearly, the
2: dog. I, mean, I knew will- that.
1: The dog will run around and like bark at things when he wants you to like notice them and, and stuff like that. So uh, it, it's pretty cool. It's very has a, a pretty unique sort of art style. I think I, I, it's hard to describe it, It's kind of blocky and chunky, but detailed at the same time. Hmm. Um, so, so it's a very pretty little game. The music's great. Uh, the, the lighting is actually really neat. Your character runs around with a stick with like, like a long stick with like a flashlight on the end. So you kind of have like this torch kind of effects as you run through, particularly at night, which is pretty nice. Um, the one thing, the other thing that's kind of frustrating is if you're in your crafting menus, the game does not pause, which might help you feel maybe like more realistic. I don't know, but uh, I, I have met my untimely end because I was in a menu and you can't see, you know, the, the screen and, Suddenly, you're being mauled by a boar Aww. or something. Um, you deserve so it. So, kind of, kind of, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, kind of be aware of that. Uh, the the inventory is probably not the greatest system. It, it gets kind of convoluted. You can store stuff on your raft, on your character, on your dog, and you need certain things to craft, and you have to get them from those areas. And um, so, you just kind of, just kind of be aware of that if you jump into it. So.
2: So it's kinda of hard to tell. So are you are you positive on this game? I mean it sound you know, the things you're describing actually don't sound bad. They are not bad. And the game is fun. It is it is truly a roguelite and that
1: you should expect to fail over and over and over and over. I don't know if if it you know, some of those games get to a point where once you learn the mechanics, you can kind of like you get good enough that you can kind of start to win pretty regularly. I don't know that this will get there, just like in FTL, it's so heavily based on the sort of the luck of the dice roll that you get as you go down the river. Um But, but I think it, it, it's a pretty interesting little game that I'll probably keep playing for a while just to kind of see how far I can get, see if I can unlock its mysteries. I'd like to hear, so to the next
2: time you talk about it, I'd like to hear a storified version. I'd like to know, like, then I did this, then I did this, and then I died sure. this way. Sure, sure. Get ready to tell us about
1: Yeah, that. I mean, I, I absolutely... Head-on collision crashed my raft into a rock once, um, so that was pretty good. Your character has stamina when you're on the river,
2: so you can run out of stamina trying to steer. Um, so just be careful of that. <laughs> I think I have a copy of this game. I bought the I bought the soundtrack, the vinyl record soundtrack to it, and I think allegedly it was supposed to come with a copy of the game. I didn't I didn't find it in the, oh cool in the jacket, but I would be interested to try this That's out. That's pretty
1: interesting. It was provided through Twitch Prime. I don't think oh really in this latest bout of stuff um that they've been doing this month and in, in the month of July 2018 but that's where I've been playing it from is is from the Twitch oh, well, I so I must have it picked it up at some point yeah so check right. check there if if you've been keeping up with those freebies they've been giving away uh since they kind of started that you might have a copy yeah um and I would say if you have a copy it's definitely worth uh playing through if you like that type of roguelite survival game Um. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. I I I want to keep playing a little bit more. uh, Get a little more into the crafting. Get a little more into the story. Um.
0: Maybe learn a little bit more about it. All right. Nice. Super cool. Flame in the flood. I was just watching a trailer for Kingdom Come Deliverance, and I kind of want to check that out now.
1: Dude, Kingdom Come Deliverance is pretty good. I would highly, highly recommend you get Kingdom Come Deliverance on PC. There are some things in that game that I really
2: don't like. And mods are your best friend. Basically, Jared lives a life of crime and doesn't like getting caught. Is essentially what's happening. Mm-hmm. I
1: try to only steal things when it makes sense. No. <laughs> so here's <laughs> it the thing. For me. Here's the thing. Like spoilers. This dude is on this like vigilante crusade to avenge his parents' like death. The guy is probably going to steal an arrow or two out of
2: a crate. (laughs) You're just trying to justify your own illicit actions. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Well, Jeremy, last but surely
2: not least. So I've been playing a couple things. One of them I didn't plan to talk about. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I did sort of plan to talk about it. I had wanted to play it more before I get into it, but uh, I'm going to talk about two things. Uh, The first one that I want to talk about is actually something that came to me uh, recently uh, from a uh, developer whose game I talked about uh, a few months ago, Crafty Studios, who did a remake of the Realms of Arcania game. Uh, The Blade of Destiny was the one that they had done a few months ago, so check that out on a previous podcast where I kind of described that. Uh, Well, apparently, unbeknownst to me, they have actually done Realms of Arcania 2 Star Trail, which is the sequel to Realms of Arcania 1. Imagine that. Uh, It has already been out on PC for a while. In fact, I think it came out last, I want to say, August of 2017, uh, but it is out as of this past month. I want to say maybe even end of June on console, on PlayStation 4. Uh, game is thirty dollars, so it is a you know half price experience. Uh, but it's it's a pretty interesting remake, and, and it really does follow the same model and the same idea as Realms of Arcania One HD, uh, which is the game that that was previously. This is in the '90s. It was previously one of those um, old school dungeon hacks. You know, every every step you take is like a grid square. It's not really like a uh, uh-huh. a, a real Real-time movement thing. Uh, they've basically redone this. I want to say in Unity. I don't. I don't remember exactly what the engine is, but they've basically made it a lot more like uh, El- Elder Scrolls, like Oblivion or um, you know Skyrim or something like that, where you actually move around in more or less real time when you're navigating towns and things like that. Um, you know there are markets and things and the towns are probably laid out like it was in the original game but it's it's all based on the uh german so this this is sort of an alternate timeline i think we talked about this on on the last uh show as well about this uh but it's based on the german rpg system called das schwarze alga uh which i do not know what that means uh but i know here they call it, it's the kind of the overarching like super title is the dark eye so it could be something like that um but it's it is a pretty hardcore role-playing game. And they've carried over really most of the stuff from the previous game, which uh, really carries over from the original. So Uh, Things like hunger and thirst, um, all of your positive attributes, your negative attributes that your characters have. You have a party of six, and you can rearrange them. The party member who's in the first slot sort of gives you all of their stats for things like foraging or survival when you're on the road. Uh, Traveling, I think I remember I talked about this on the last show, is it takes days and days to get somewhere. It's like the, the Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, where it's like, oh, then they spent three days in the you know, the dark forest and they encountered these things, uh, you don't just go to a place like in, you know, something like the Elder Scrolls, most of the, most of the good stuff is like within a pretty good walking distance, right? Like if it were a real world analog, it would be like, oh, I'm just going to walk three blocks and, you know, here's the troll cave or uh, or whatever. But with this, you're spending days to get between Uh, you know, and in Star Trail, they don't, they don't pull any punches on this. You start out in, in the map of this area in the very top corner, and you're supposed to go to the very bottom of that map. First thing you've got to do. And it is not a sure thing that you're going to survive that journey. Um, in fact, one encounter with a, a a patrol of orcs will pretty much sink you. And Jared can attest to this cuz he, yeah, he watched me he watched me do it. You got
1: absolutely wrecked by that. Patrol I, yeah, awards. like
2: there's like twice as many of them as there are of you. Uh it's constantly, you know, like missing s- attacks and ineffective spells and things like that. Like you you be- probably better not get into combat unless you've somehow gained experience some way. Uh but the game is very I don't want to say unforgiving, but it's very detailed. Like for example, Uh, you'll want to travel with not only sufficient food and water, and you can forage for that stuff, but you get recovery bonuses when you camp if you've got silverware. Uh, which makes sense, you know, if you've got, if you're traveling with, I mean, think about yourself, like, you know, uh, you're going to do better with being able to, you know, use a fork to, to put food in your mouth. Uh, bed rolls and blankets and, and uh, sleeping bags will protect you against the elements. Uh, if you don't do that, your characters are likely to become ill and then you've got to, you know, they, they don't recover as well. Um, you're basically fighting a war of attrition using an RPG system the entire time. Uh, A couple of things, though, that have changed in Star Trail. So one of the things that I thought was really cool right off, and I I streamed it a little bit earlier, uh, is they've added real-time movement of the NPCs. It used to be that they would mostly just kind of stand around and you'd go talk to them, and if it was night, they weren't there. Uh, Here, people are not only kind of walking around, but they actually have schedules. So if you, um, as I did, I ended up in the town square a little bit too early. It was still dark out. Uh, nobody was there in the market, but I kind of waited and slept and, you know, rested and eventually crossed over the opening time for the market. And you'll watch NPCs just like roll in and go stand by their booths. And then, you know, they become active vendors, uh, which, you know, doesn't sound like much. You've got that in, in other games where NPCs work on schedules. But for, for something like this, this remake like that was something that was that was really kind of new, you know, NPCs having schedules in,
1: in an RPG is like one of my favorite things in an RPG. Uh, <laughs> Kingdom Come Deliverance does that actually really good. Um, I remember doing a quest to find some refugees jobs. Um, some of them became water bearers. Others became, uh, I guess they cleaned the latrines. <laughs> Oh, wow. and so like after that quest, you would actually see those people that you chose to do the jobs, like walking down to the Doing river with a bucket and coming back
0: up. That's cool. Or going around to the different latrines with a bucket. <laughs> My favorite part of Skyrim is waking up the people when they're asleep. Yep, <laughs> to talk to them.
2: This is, um, th- I mean, this is very simple. So overall, the the presentation of Realms of Arcania is is pretty. I don't want to call it rough because I think it's what they were going for, but it's not, you know, super detailed. It's not like amazing character models and things like that. Um, it is it is a remake that they've done in a new engine for an old game. Um, and there are a few things that, that are not as good. I mean, the loading times are still pretty rough, you know, right out the gate. Um, you know, and if you're a fan of this sort of thing, I imagine that you'll probably overlook that stuff because for you, the the attraction is going to be in the inner um, action of these These different systems Uh, here in the help screens, they'll actually tell you now what the roles are or what the math is to do certain things. Like if you've got the tutorials turned on or you go to the help screens, it'll tell you, you know, that your success in foraging is going to be this stat plus this stat divided by three uh, times this or something. I mean, they'll they'll tell you what it takes to do it, which uh, is kind of nice because I didn't realize some of the things about, you know, the leading party member. It's that stat is going to, you know, kind of give you your experience on the road, you know, the shelter and the recovery and that sort of thing. Uh, now it still didn't let me change those slots around after I started my journey for some reason, but uh, it at least let me know what I needed to do. So it, it's, it's a little less um, obtuse maybe than the previous game. They, I think they've, they've done some, a few quality of life improvements. Uh, there are some things though that aren't quite as good uh, right out the gate. When you start the game, uh, they, they put you in, in with like this guy who comes and talks to you and it loads while, while it, ...switches to like this 3D view of someone sitting in a tavern and kind of gesticulating and, and talking... Uh, and then he, he he leaves, so it loads again. And then it loads again as some other guy comes to talk to you immediately before you even get out. And then when you get out of the bar, it loads again. So there are some technical things that are going on with that, which are kind of annoying. Uh, they also um, have kind of cut some corners, I think, in terms of... Like, I just noted, like, little things, little things. Uh, like, when, when you're looking at a uh, sort of a cinematic cutscene, instead of having eyelids... Um, the the eyeballs kind of like look downward for an instant. Like that's kind of a blink. (laughs) And it's, I'll tell you, it's a sufficient sort of illusion. But once you notice it, it's like, ah, why just just stop doing that. That reminds me in
1: uh, Guild Wars 1, the original games, when they first came out, there was no lip syncing. So like characters would be talking, it'd be like zoomed oh, in yeah, on
2: their like faces, Hey drummer, hey how you doing? Yeah. You know, like yeah. the lips didn't move. And then they yeah. eventually added it. It was so weird. They uh, <laughs> they, they actually took out so the, the previous game in the series had some voice acting and it was it was poor, I guess It I, was I, original. I, it was, yeah, it was uh, they they could have done better. Uh, hire me for your voice work. Uh, no, but uh, They took that out. So now it's all reading. So, you know, I get to read on stream, which is fun. Um, And uh, so so overall, they kind of like added some things and took away some things and uh, generally uh, very functional. I mean, I think if you're going to play Realms of Arcania, it's either this or playing the old stuff on Gog. And I think this works all right. Uh, But it's just it's a little bit like your Flame in the Flood example. Like, I feel like I'm never going to survive uh, you know, a journey of, you know, yeah. weeks to, to get from one place to another, because if something goes wrong, you can save your game at any point, which is positive. But I kind of wish I didn't have to do that. I wish I didn't have to rely on that on that sort of thing. Uh, and it might be that I've just never gotten to a point where my characters become self-sufficient. But uh, I think for what it's doing, um, you know, doing all the math and all the roles and all the things that you would be you know doing in a, in a pen and paper uh, RPG session, um, it is the very definition of a what they call a CRPG, you know, a computerized uh role-playing game. Um but it is it is quite hardcore. Um I mean it's a lot of stats, a lot of dice rolls, a lot of preparation, a lot of interlocking systems, you know, make sure that you're giving your people everything they need to survive um and then and then go to it. So I can see the attraction in that and I actually am not completely turned off uh, by the the difficulty uh, because I feel like I could overcome it once I once I really know what I'm doing um, and it is kind of fun to have that, you know, um, old school sort of experience from time to time uh, that may not always I, be user friendly. I, I, I think
1: the I think the key is, is it for games that are difficult like that or have that sort of uh repetitive requirement. It's like, will it keep me interested long enough for me to get good at this? Or am I going to completely give up on it at
2: some point? Yeah. It's it's unsatisfied. It's hard to climb the ladder a little bit. Like, I'm like, what could I do to get better at combat? If every instance of combat is going to kill me, you know, there is that, but, um, they do have a mode in this where you can go to beginner's mode and sort of experience the story a little bit better. That was the mode I was on when I died, though. So, I you know, I don't know, I don't know how that affects it. Yeah, it's it's not good. Either it's not good or I'm not good. But uh, Realms of Arcania, if you are listening to this and you you kind of know what you're getting into, again, I guess like Flame in the Flood, um, it, it definitely has something, uh, something there for you. Just kind of go in aware of, of what that thing is. Uh, the second game that I am talking about, which I sort of didn't really plan on diving into deeply, but I did get a, a pretty good chance with this, is uh, a brand new game that's out, and I've been in anticipation of for a couple of years now, called Hero U, like Hero University. Uh, it is a, it is a—so the, so there was a little bit of a, of a rash of um, old game designers going to crowdfunding to get a new spiritual successor to their game funded and out into public, right? Uh, so this is one of those, and it was not an early Kickstarter, but it was kind of a mid-era kind of Kickstarter. I would say that we're now kind of in the late era. Um, but uh, it is based on the old, like one of, my, in fact, possibly my favorite game series of all time called Quest for Glory, which uh, was an old Sierra
0: Ooh. franchise.
2: You know that? You know that series? Yes, I do. Okay. So this is by Lori Cole and Corey Cole, who were the original creators of Quest for Glory, uh, Heroes Quest originally it was. And um, I'm going to tell you that I was not sure what was going to come from from this crowdfunding campaign. I just got signs, you know, like it was taking long and then they like, you know, you you, sometimes you hear about now that that crowdfunded projects, they give you updates and stuff. And it's like, I just I just don't know what's going to happen. And I wasn't even entirely sure about the format of the game, even just based on what I had seen of it. You know, it's like, well, we're going to make it like the old games, but I felt like there was going to be something different about it. I am here to tell you. If you enjoyed the old adventure series uh, like Quest for Glory, where it was, it was sort of—it's the only one that I can think of offhand. There might be another one, but uh, there aren't really many adventure series that also use role-playing elements. And when I say role-playing, I mean stats and, um, you know, character progression in the sense that you get better at at things. Usually that's reserved strictly in the realm of RPGs, but this is also a traditional Sierra LucasArts adventure game where there's a, a definite set story characters to interact with, um, uh, dialogue trees that, uh, you know, it's all about, uh, uncovering, um, uh, you know, I guess uh, the the narrative that's there, um, inventory, you know, dealing with your inventory, combine this with that to do different things. Um, this is straight up one of those, and I am quite impressed by it. Um, there is a little bit of a question. So for those of you out there, if you're listening to this and you're a hardcore Quest for Glory fan, uh, if you have questions about, well, how does this fit into the previous series? It's interesting because it is not explicitly a Quest for Glory game, but it is not... Not a Quest for Glory game. There are explicit references to characters and situations and uh, locations, but clearly these guys don't... You know, Activision, as far as I know, has the rights to all of that Sierra stuff uh, at this point. But uh, they will reference characters, like actual specific characters from that series. So I feel like they're doing a thing where it's like, no lawyer is going to get involved in this, but we can't really you know we we can't really do that so there i think they're just taking the the sort of side story approach to it um and it works uh you basically play as a character who is uh not a fighter a paladin or a a thief but rather a rogue uh that, you know that you go to it's kind of like the hero school for for rogues i guess is is what they would say it's sort of it's not the thieves guild cuz thieves are low characters but rogues are sort of like the i guess the fancy fancy version of that um and and you so it's it's a little bit like Hogwarts, where there are the different schools or houses, and uh everyone sort of interacts in their own thing. so your character uh uh Sean uh, O'Connor, I believe it is. Uh, is It's a named character, first of all, so it is someone who who exists and you play as that character. But you interact with all of the other losers who are sort of flunked out of the other hero schools, uh, schools of thought, I guess I should say, and have now ended up in this rogues uh, class. And you uh, basically are, you know, you don't belong there. You, you actually start out uh, kind of pursuing your own interests and, and sort of end up finding yourself in Hero U. Um, and, you know, it quickly starts to unravel that, of course, there are things going on at the school, and, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to f- figure out ways to make money. All, all of the action takes place in the school, so kind of like Hogwarts in Harry Potter, there are different sort of um, uh, special areas, like dungeons. There's a, there's a wine cellar that you can go down to and fight uh, what are essentially rats, di- dire rats, drats, uh, and you can, you can carve up their giblets and sell them to the shopkeeper, uh, who's a ratty, who's distinct from from those rats? He's like a humanoid rat. Uh, and then you can work in the kitchens if you want to, and you need to, every, every day you go to class, and, and there's a time, there's actually a, a real clock that's counting down, and every action that you do, looking at things, or talking to someone, or attempting to practice your lockpicking skill on a locked door, all of those things progress the clock. Uh, there are also specific actions, like practicing a skill will take an hour or so off of your time, and you've got to kind of manage the time. And then after hours, because the rogues class takes place, you know, typically in the later hours, you you are forced to kind of sneak around uh, areas that are closed off from the school. They have sort of a, you know, a filch character like in Harry Potter, who's like, he's really got it in for you. And so, you you know, you can't get caught after after school closes, you know, getting sneaking around in, in different areas. Uh, and, you know, your instructor will give you things like, oh, you guys really need to be working on your lock picking skills, or you really need to be working on sneaking. So we're going to unlock that skill now for, and you got to practice that. Um, and um, I haven't gotten too much farther in, in, in the game. I mean, I've played four or five hours, maybe, which is quite a lot. Uh, but I haven't gotten to the point yet where the plot thickens quite yet. Um, So I am interested in finding out a little bit more about that. There's there's kind of that initial... Uh, like I said, that initial activity that your character was taking on, and how does that figure back into your your current status now? Um, the other students, you know, they ha- they have their sort of interactions with each other. You have a uh, there's a an affinity system, kind of like LeGrand you were talking about in East, um, you know, and and I'm sure that will unlock different uh, trains of conversation and things like that. So it even it even builds a little bit on some of the things that were in some of the old Quest for Glory games. Um, and and like I said, generally, I've been really impressed. I was really not sure what to, uh, you know, what to think of this. Uh, but I was, I was actually given this as a gift for a belated gift for my, for my birthday. Um, and I'm really appreciative, uh, to the person who, who gave that to me. Thanks, Sami. And, um, uh, I really do plan on spending more time with this. I'd like to get to the end of it and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of figure out in its fullness what this game turned out to be because, uh, it, I, th- I think it's worth playing, and especially if you're a fan of that series, it's worth looking into. So those are the games that uh, that I've been playing. It seems like we had a pretty good raft of games this week, but folks, uh, all good things must come to an end, and we've come to the end of this episode of the Game Bite Show podcast. If you would like to comment on any of the games that we've been playing, if you... You know, if you enjoyed watching this live streamed, uh, we, you know, decided to put this on the live stream. If you want to see this on uh, other platforms like YouTube, I've sometimes heard that people like to, you know, watch stuff like this on YouTube. Let us know about that. It's not hard for us to do. I guess we just haven't traditionally done it. Uh, but uh, let us know about that. You can let us know these things and many others on our Twitter uh, profile, which you can find over at Gamebyte Show. Uh, you can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont.
0: You can find me at Legrand. And I'm
2: at Red underscore I. Our uh, fourth man and imminently returning co-host, I think. I think he'll be back this this next week. Uh Dale Jones is at Count Elmdor on Twitter. Uh, you can also find our Twitch.tv channel, Twitch.tv slash Game Show, where we had not one, not two, but including this. We've had three streams on that channel this week. And why the heck not? Let we just do more of that. Uh, but our official weekly stream we do on uh, Monday night so you can find that there, subscribe to us get notified when that goes live, as Jared said we're currently playing through uh, episode, well we just completed episode 3 of Kentucky, Kentucky Route Zero, Route Zero. Zero.
1: yep mm-hmm. we're going to do episode 4 next week uh, if you miss those you can find them uh, backlogged on youtube.com slash game show and either catch up or, or watch the whole series. Um, watch it all, when and you listen to this.
2: <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. And we've kind of been uh, not too shy about this. We have no idea what's going on in that game. No, um,
1: no, not at all. I, our guy has like a
2: psychedelic skeleton leg. And yeah, skeleton leg, and there's- There another. was that music scene, that was pretty good. That was cool, that was a, like a really cool scene, but as far as like what is going on, we're hoping that eventually this gets wrapped up for us. I'm not confident at this point, we're now on episode three and have only questions and no answers. Uh, but uh, yeah check that out on YouTube uh, see if you can guess along with us what might be going on Uh, you can also find our website on the internet www.gamebyteshow.com find a back catalog of all of our podcasts there subscribe to us using iTunes or whatever your podcast platform of choice is using our RSS file and uh, let your friends know Uh, you know have them join in the conversation have them join in uh, the enjoyment of watching us struggle our way through whatever game it is we happen to be playing I think only only Legrand was competent tonight playing uh, Elder Scrolls yeah I won
0: a bunch. Nice. Nice, Victory.
2: Yeah, that is not not typical for us, so it might just be LeGrand, but uh, yeah, you can find us there. Uh, You can also find us in just a few days when we come back with our Top of the Week podcast. We'll update you on the news, the new releases, and a special topic of discussion, so join us then. Until that time, this has been your Game Bite Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. See ya. Bye. Later. No